Chapters 16 through 20 of Pep, Poise, Efficiency, Peace, by Colonel William Crosby Hunter. Recording by J. A. Carter. Chapter 16. For ages, the study of the mind and its control over matter has occupied the attention of the world's greatest thinkers and philosophers. Today, there is a popular wave sweeping the country under the name of New Thought. The words New Thought seem to suggest that there is a modern discovery of truth when, as a matter of fact, all the great truths that are being told by this so-called new thought are simply old truths worked over again. This applies also to the essential truths of Christian science. King David, Solomon, Plato, Socrates, Confucius, and the philosophers who lived centuries ago told the plain, helpful truths which today are being passed off as new thought. During the Dark Ages, the people lived in a benighted state. They would not believe or absorb simple truth, and consequently mystery, superstition, charms, and fetishes were looked upon as the power to help, and the methods by which relief from illness could be had. As the world became enlightened, gradually the old truths became re-established. Now there are hundreds of isms, cults, religions, and sects, which have, within the past few years, sprung into popularity, and the basis upon which these various beliefs or teachings are founded, is the old glorious truths dressed up and passed off as something entirely new. But all philosophers, whether ancient or modern, agree that the mind controls the body, and through the nerves has intimate relation with its organs and functions. Every part of your body, including the brain, is made up of tiny cells, which are being built up and broken down every minute of your life. Every move you make, every thought you think, destroys certain cells, and wonderful nature, if unhampered in its operation, sees to it that repair for the waste is made. The brain is the organ of the mind, as I have pointed out, just as truly as the stomach is the food organ and the heart, lungs, are organs in their respective offices. The nerves are the connecting wires over which the mind sends its orders and receives the incoming messages from every part of the body. I will give you some more practical illustrations showing the control of mind over matter. If you see a person whistling or playing a flute or cornet, stand in front of the player and suck a lemon. The mere sight of this will make it impossible for the performer to play, because the suggestion of the lemon means puckering of lips, and the thought works on the nerves controlling the muscles which make the mouth pucker. You pass by an open door where sirloin steak and onions are being cooked, and the odor, through the sensory nerves of smell, telegraphs the hunger sensation to the brain, and a mental picture is formed, an appetite created, until your mouth waters, as the saying is. That it waters is not fancy, but a real physical fact, for the hunger desire, kindled by the odor, causes the brain to order the salivary glands to prepare digestive juices for the expected food, and your mouth feels the water or saliva coming from the base of the tongue where the salivary glands are located. When you receive a shock, your skin turns cold, and this may be followed with alternate sweats or chills. If you are nauseated or seasick, the mention of fat, pork, or olive oil will be sufficient to cause you to feed the fishes. I could give you countless illustrations like these, showing how false suggestion will generate fear, and how your feelings are directly the results of your thoughts. Again, I bring this thought to you, that the one thing to do when you are under stress of worry is to change your thoughts to something else. When you think depressing thought, get your mind on cheerful things. Talk to someone whose very presence calms you. Read humorous stories. Listen to cheerful music. Employ any means you can to change the train of your thought. 
study how you may help someone think of a person who suffers more than you do who would be helped by your word of sympathy and cheer go out among the flowers cut the lawn fix the rusty gate repair the door latch take a tempting dish to a sick friend talk to some aged person show interest in some lonely friend whom others neglect help your wife undress the babies or tell stories to the babies while she's busy there are hundreds of ways to occupy your mind with useful things when it commences to think useless footless hurtful things if you keep your mind occupied with good stuff the bad thoughts can't come in now for our little review of the day have you done a kind act or a good deed have you helped someone i hope you have but anyway promise here and now before you go to sleep that when you awake you will keep in your thought that you are to do a good deed a kind act to speak a word of sympathy and good cheer and tomorrow night you will have a sweet pleasure and happiness as you open this book and i will feel it too let tomorrow be a special day in this resolve i just feel you are ready to cash in a lot of happiness from my suggestion so good night sweet dreams to you and don't forget your promise that tomorrow you are going to help someone chapter seventeen we shall consider hypochondria which is a frequent result of worry thought hypochondria is the state of imagining disease which does not exist and sometimes it is the constant dwelling on a lesser ailment in the imagination that the ailment is a serious thing as far back as buddha's time we learn that quote, all that we are is the result of what we have thought unquote. that is the same truth in another form which appears in the bible quote, as a man thinketh in his heart so is he unquote. The poor hypochondriac imagines he has disease, he feeds on that thought, and the thought thrives until the sufferer is miserable and a slave to drugs and medicines. Every doctor knows that if all medicines were prohibited by law, people would get well, and as Dr. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, quote, very likely the people would live longer, unquote. The doctor knows the power of mind over matter, and personally he believes in it, but he cannot afford to express the truth in full to his patient for the doctor commercializes mystery and benefits in proportion as he writes prescriptions nevertheless the doctor by suggestion gets or tries to get the mental attitude of the patient right the doctor comes in with his cheery countenance his words of courage suggestion of hope evidence of sympathy and promise of help these are the things that help the patient more than the prescription i do not decry or belittle the use of antiseptics or drugs for acute troubles or contagious diseases i am speaking now of hypochondria and trying to make it clear to you that you cannot get relief from hypochondria out of a bottle but you can get it from mental suggestion when the doctor treats the hypochondriac it's not the medicine but the faith in the medicine faith in the doctor and the confidence in the doctor's promise that does the good hypochondria predisposes you to the very thing you fear what you sow you will reap if you sow fear thoughts you will reap fear if you think you have disease you will suffer as though you really had the disease if you are in dread of catching cold very likely you will often have colds when you get the ability to dominate your mental self you will not suffer through fear the person who is always bundling up and fussing around with overshoes and scarves is the one who most frequently has colds there is a close relationship between the fear of catching cold and the physical act of bundling up to prevent the cold i have often been out in a boat all day with my feet wet i have walked through mud exposed myself to dampness and been in the downpouring rain 
and come home at night without catching a cold. I have seen others who seem to catch a cold if they walk out in the dew. I had no fear of cold. I did not catch cold. Last year the women wore high collars and fancy fluffs and things around their necks. This year the style is low necks, low neck dresses, like the simple old style our mothers knew. And so far as I can see and learn, there are less colds and throat troubles among the women this year than last. The women have learned that confidence and care will prevent colds. Chapter 18 Countless millions of little cells are the units which make our body, and just as one individual or one apple is liable to spoil others with which it comes in contact, so the bad cells of the body quickly exert bad influence. The blood is busy every minute of the day and night carrying off dead and broken down cells and bringing new cells to take the places of the old ones. The blood comes from the food you take in. There are three kinds of food necessary to human life. Air, water, and material substance. How important, therefore, it is that the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the food you eat shall be of the quality and quantity to bring the best results. Good food is impaired in its life-giving value if the mind is working improperly, because the food does not get the right secretions for its digestion. Some keen observer said that most Americans who had died had dug their graves with their teeth, and there is much truth in this statement. We all eat too much. We require about our own weight in food each month, or about three percent of our weight each day. I shall not impose upon you any rules of diet. Generally speaking, you should be able to eat what you like, but the one thing to keep in mind is that we all eat too much, and this imposes extra work on the digestive organs. It builds up fat, and the fat requires the building of a lot of extra veins that makes just so much more work for the heart. The human engine is very elastic in its power. It can do a prodigious amount of work, and nature has arranged that in such cases the human engine can consume large quantities of food and take care of it properly. The trouble with most men is that they keep their hundred-horsepower boilers going to full capacity when the work required only calls for fifteen-horsepower energy. The matter of taste and savor nearly always prejudices us in favor of seasoned foods and sweet dishes. We eschew the very things we should chew. That is, we take pastry, soft, easily swallowed, pleasant-tasting food for our meals instead of roughage, and the roughage is necessary to keep the alimentary tract in good condition. Eat plainer foods, frequently eat dry toast, but do not soften it with liquid food. Chew the toast thoroughly, for this causes the salivary glands to act and helps the digestive process. If you are thin and require fat, eat bacon in the morning, but do not have it fried to a crisp, for that means the fat, the very thing you're after, has been eliminated, and you're only taking in the least nourishing part of the bacon. Remember that eggs, milk, and whole wheat contain all the things necessary for the human body. Buttermilk is a splendid drink. Coffee I won't say much about that, because I do not wish to raise a rumpus. I will meet you halfway with this proposition. Drink coffee for breakfast, buttermilk or sweet milk for the other two meals. Eat plenty of fruit, especially prunes and apples. In eating apples, do not commit the unpardonable crime against nature of peeling the apple before you eat it. The skin contains the phosphorus, the phosphates, and the real brain material of the apple. Remember, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Try my way for a month of eating very much less than you have been eating. 
and it won't hurt you very much if you cut out the noonday meal altogether and take a good walk and eat an apple or two in place of your regular luncheon be regular in your meals avoid late-night suppers do not eat meat over once a day and preferably mutton or chicken i do not count the bacon you eat for breakfast but i refer to heavy meats in quantities when you are in a healthy normal condition and get plenty of exercise each day you will not have to bother much about what you have to eat those who are run down and suffering from indigestion or dyspepsia should consult a doctor as to the proper diet the object i have in writing this book is to get you normally right so that you can do pretty much as you like i cannot give you any better or more truthful suggestion in the matter of food than these three rules eat less eat slowly eat plainer food it goes without saying that the law of temperance applies here that is if you are run down and are eating a minimum amount of food then of course the injunction to eat less does not apply chapter nineteen when the stomach is affected the result is either from physical cause or mental cause very likely the latter in either case when the stomach is affected the work it performs is of inferior quality the work of the stomach is to extract the life-giving properties from the food you eat and these properties are distributed through the body by the blood if the stomach does not perform its office as nature intended then the blood suffers and consequently the whole system is impaired we need nourishing food to give us storage energy and recuperative powers fatigue follows exertion and fatigue is the result of overworked muscles or overworked nerves when the fatigue is from nervous overdraft it produces mental drowsiness the brain gets sluggish the whole body is out of sorts until the repair crew brings vitalized cells to take the place of the destroyed cells this is nature's plan to repair waste and to recharge exhausted energy but when nature is presumed upon and insulted by the continued overdraft on her reserve something has to give and that something is the nervous system overworked muscles can be speedily restored by proper rest while the repair is going on but overworked nerves are not so easily repaired you must watch out and be careful not to overtax the nerves for weakened nerve force affects the secretions of the body every cell in your anatomy is directly responsible to right thought if the brain is not working properly the entire system suffers when you get your mind in supreme control of your body you have built up a resistance a reserve strength and a power that makes you tingle with the very joy of living and you will have no time to stop and argue over the pessimistic question is life worth living every disease of course has a definite cause sometimes we find that the cause we see is merely a cause resting upon another cause the pill may temporarily relieve constipation a sweat may break up a cold pepsin may digest your dinner but below all these troubles there is impaired nervous action and the permanent cure or relief will not come until the mind control makes the nerve action normal the pills the sweat the pepsin may merely touch the branches of the tree but they do not get at the root the stomach is the place where medicines are taken the fact that the great majority of our physical ills are due to stomach impairment or inefficient work has caused the country to be flooded with stomach remedies which artificially stimulate or artificially aid digestion the gullible public impressed with the wonderful claims and testimonials buy the nostrums in tremendous quantities there should be a law to prevent this quackery and some day there will be such a law 
I am pleased and encouraged to see that people are commencing to think and will listen to rational methods, helpful suggestions, and common sense. They are learning to think, and when the ability to think and the power of mental suggestion becomes universal, there will be less dope, fewer doctors, and healthier people. Chapter 20 You are a human being, equipped and fortified to defend yourself against all odds. The moment you show failure that you are not afraid, just then failure becomes afraid of you, because he's a bully, a bluffer, and therefore a coward. If you have stumbled, if you have gone down in defeat time and time again, you are not broken, but will begin to gather your strength bit by bit with grit and wit, until you make a hit, and fool all who thought you had been broken. You can do it, I know. You will take your defeats and errors and mistakes and use them as valuable experience for the future. Your bones will knit if they have been broken, your bruises will heal, your cuts will grow together. Time will take care of them, and there will be only scars left. You may be scarred, but you will not be scared. You may have been battered, but you are certainly bettered, and you will no longer be fettered, for you are going to assert your God-given willpower and take the reins and do the driving instead of being led and pulled downhill. You may have lost your money, but that really means you have only lost time. You have gained experience, and your time will do double service for you in the future by virtue of that glorious experience. You have not lost your manhood or your life. Everything else can be replaced, and you know it. You are learning to think right, and when you think right, you can fight right. When you think wrong, you cannot be strong. While others moan and groan, you will jump and hump, and you will get there. Get your backbone right, and your jawbone too. Failure has tried to keep you down. It has pulled the strings to your bow. But you are going to snap back, for you have abundant resources, and there is no such word as fail to you, because you simply will not give in. You used to spend your time yearning for strength, but now you find strength only comes by earning it. Henceforth you are to be pointed out as the strong one, who was beaten and battered, but by scientific thinking and living have got back health and pep. You are to be an example to others, to prove that they may come back as you have done. You will whisper courage to those in Shadowland, and tell them to wake up and find their strength. You will be invincible the moment you make your willpower do its duty. Tackle the smaller things first, for practice, overcome them one by one, and later on you will as easily overcome the bigger things which you think are standing in your way of progress. The world is a sieve that lets the little narrow worthless trash slip through and separates the really big worthwhile kind. That's the kind you are. The world needs strong, powerful sons and daughters, and it has a way of setting them up amongst other people and jostling them around, bumping them against one another until they are well polished. The world soon finds who is who, but it never would be able to differentiate unless the tests of endurance were made. Leaders are not discovered or picked off trees. Leaders are those who prove themselves, and the proving ground is right here amongst us. It is life, with all its stones and hits and bangs and bruises and jolts and jars. The world shakes us up to see who is who. The big ones, by shaking process, rise to the top, and the little ones disappear with the trash. If you are lacking in courage or grit, and have not the will-power and strength, if your views are twisted or warped, you cannot stand the test, and you will slip through with the trash. But you are not lacking. You have these strength qualities, and have perhaps not been awakened to them. Here, then, is the rousing or awakening time. 
success will not be handed to you in a pretty blue box tied with silk ribbons i can give you no panacea by which you can be worth while without effort on your part you must fight alone for your place and you must fight fairly and patiently forget your pedigree throw aside your family pride your aristocracy of birth your advantage of heredity these are all impedimentia strip clean and go to it you must fight alone i have shown you the weapons and given you the rules of strategy i have been training you to make you fit but you must make the fight and you will make that fight and you will win this i promise you and i know whereof i speak end of chapter 16 through 20 recording by j a carter www.pleonic.com